You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. And on today's episode, we have a great guy and one of the best guitar players I know. I'm talking about Vito Petrosito. Vito, welcome to The Rick Z Show. Hey, Rick. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. It's great to see you, Vito. It's been a while, actually, right? Yeah, it's too too long. Absolutely too long. Good to see you, too. Too long, for sure. Uh, you know, you've been playing a long time in the Hudson Valley. You're one of my favorite guitar players, one of my favorite Hudson Valley musicians. How long have you been playing, Vito? Uh, let's see. Uh, I, I think I've recently figured this out to be about 44 years this year, maybe. You're kidding me. So when I was a freshman in high school, I was playing out in the bars, and that would have been 1977 or so. Wow. So you, you predate me, my kind of professional <laughs> debut, by 10 years. No I, kidding. I, wow. I mean, I started, I think... Maybe the summer of 87, something uh. like that. I was 18, something like that. But you've always been around as long as I've been playing and as long as almost anyone I know has been playing. It's It's been a long time. Now, you've done a lot of stuff. We'll get to all of it, or at least most of it. Mm-hmm. What would you say the thing you're most known for, would it be Four Guys in Disguise or something else? I think it's Four Guys in Disguise, although the time is passing now, so... That is starting to not, I won't say fade away, but it's definitely slowing down as far as people, you know, so now I have other projects that I'm doing that uh, people are coming to see and enjoying. And But Four Guys would probably be the biggest, you know, if you named that for somebody to tell them who, who I am, you know. All the cool people call it Four Guys. Yeah. The full name is Four Guys <laughs> in Disguise. Yeah. But Four Guys, you know, for the yeah. initiated, you call it Four Guys. Who are the Four Guys? I mean, I kind of yeah. know, but for our listeners, yeah. you got Greg Douglas, right? Well, the original four were Greg Douglas, John Hokanowski, Joe Palo who now it, he runs this group called The Difference with yes. his wife, Trisha. And you're also in that. And I'm, I play with them, yeah, and and myself. So that was uh, Greg, John, Joe, and Vito. Four Guys in Disguise, a, a great band, a cover band mostly, although I've heard some original songs. But you guys had one of the biggest, most consistent crowds over the years of any band I know around here. Why do you think that is? In picking songs, like back then, the original Four Guys, uh, we picked songs... It was almost like uh, Mikey with Life Serial. You know, it's like whatever chorus that Vito could sing without a piece of paper in front of him. Because like, <laughs> I'm a horrible, uh, with lyrics, I'm very, you know, I got to have an, uh, an iPad. Sorry, Pat O'Shea, but I got to have a, I got to have an iPad near me to see lyrics sometimes. I just don't have a great memory when it comes to other people's lyrics. So whatever song that I could sing uh, with, with no lyrics in front of me, are, that went to the set list. So, How many songs do you know? Oh, God, I don't know how many I would know. I mean, thousands, it's got to be, you know, it's good. It's, uh, like, but for me to play by myself, like uh, O Solo Vito, uh, to, to rattle off a bunch of songs, um, I don't know, a couple hundred, something like that. But if you, you know, brushed up on all the ones you played, you can get them, you know, pretty quickly. There's, there's yeah. got to be a thousand or two yeah. thousand. I mean, yeah. You know, like you said, thousands. Yeah. yeah. You've been playing 44 years. You accumulate songs as you go. Yeah. Now, this band, The Difference, that you, you referenced, this is mainly Joe Palo's band, right? Yeah, it's uh, Joe and his wife, And his Trisha. wife. Yep. Uh, yeah. So that was a husband and wife team for years. And uh, somewhere along the line, they started, uh, they started adding uh, some side people to their act. And uh, just to enhance what they were already doing. They're, they're fine on their own. But, you know, and then you put a couple people next to them. Uh, usually it's Paul Beretta on uh, percussion, percussion right? yeah. and myself on like a, a more lead guitar. 
And it's more of an acoustic band per se, right? Yeah, they uh, they do classic tunes in a different way. You know, that's kind of their that's their motto, kind of. So, uh, but it's similar to Four Guys. The original Four Guys was two acoustic guitars, a set of congas, right, and four vocals. Uh, you know, total. I've seen four guys, I don't know how many times, dozens of times over the years all around here. You guys had lots of venues that you were real big at. I remember Copperfields in, in Millbrook. Do you yeah. still play there? That was a, No, that was an, an 11, year, uh, 11 years of Fridays. A long stint. And uh, the Star Bar here in Rhinebeck, New York. Yeah. And that was 10 years of Saturdays. Great venue way back when. Yeah. Um, and then there was a 10-year period there. I mean, we... You know, and then that original lineup had changed and went on to add other members. I think over the years, like we had our 25th anniversary about four years ago. Come to find out that there was probably about 23 members of Four Guys in Disguise. Wow, 23 guys in disguise. <laughs> 23 guys in disguise. And that night we were about 23 guys in disguise. I, I think we were missing a couple people, but uh, that was an, incre- an incredible event. You guys played at uh, High Park Brew Pub quite a bit. Absolutely. Also the High Park Inn, remember that? Yes, High yeah. Park Inn was great. Uh, matter of fact, that was the beginning of Four Guys in Disguise. I remember playing a Halloween party there where I was dressed as a pumpkin. And, you know, they called me Pumpkin Boy after that. It was, but, uh, yeah, that was one of our first gigs. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to say, I'm going to put you in, in my personal top three favorite guitarists of the Hudson Valley. Wow, man. Rick, <laughs> holy smoke. I am. I, I love your playing. I, I think Thank you're a you fabulous so much. player. And we've played together a bit before and in I've, the past. I loved every minute of that. Thank yeah, you. That's, that's kind of what I've been thinking about in the last few days, you know, like what we've done together. And we've never been in a band together, per se, but we've done pick up gigs here and there where we're both on the date and it's always fun to stand sing in a band and then when you're not singing you stand back and you get to hear somebody play the kind of stuff that you play i mean you're you're a truly gifted player where did you learn to play and when would that have been well uh let's see so i was 12 years old so that would have been 1974 where i kind of stole a cousin's guitar and then my brother showed me this line like kind of went like that while he played the pinball wizard intro like oh. I, I got to play the little bass part you know <laughs> and help my brother play that you know so that was my first little couple of notes did you take lessons uh not at that point so 12 and then i and and about 12 uh, uh maybe almost 13 i brought my first original tune to the family at a family gathering and uh, i started to play this original tune and they were laughing at me, you know, thinking it was adorable and cute, but the laughter wasn't adorable and cute to me. Right, yeah. I was like, oh, man. So I hung it up. Oh. I hung it up at 13 and just dropped the guitar and said, forget it. I'll uh, I'll stick with my dirt bikes. And I raced motocross back then and broke my left leg in my second year of racing motorcycles. And my brother bought me my first real guitar. So that would have been 1977, like the, the spring of. It was an Ibanez uh, white Stratocaster. Mm. Looked like Hendrix's guitar. You know, it was really cool guitar, and I loved it. Uh, but I didn't pick it up right away. I mean, I was in, in about the sixth week of healing when I just kept on staring at it in the corner, kept on staring at it. And then I picked it up, and since from that moment, I didn't, uh, I didn't put it down to this day. So as far as learning goes, I uh, started playing with my brother's band, the Moonshiners, around here in the uh, Hudson Valley area, uh, but mainly Dutchess County. I was actually in the band with uh, who would eventually teach me guitar, and that was Jeff Belding. Jeff Belding. A banjo player. 
Absolutely. He went on to play banjo, but he graduated from uh, with a degree from uh, the New England Conservatory of Music. And I was his first student, I think. I believe I was his first student. I don't know Jeff, per se, but I did hire him one time for a date in the studio. Uh, I had written a song called Chasing Geese, <laughs> and it was it was for a comedy record. And he came in and played on it. And it, and it became kind of an iconic sound. Uh, wow. Yeah, I mean, he was amazing. And he just came in and whipped it off like it was nothing and oh. left. I never really got to talk to him. Is he still around? He is. Uh, he, I believe he's out in Arizona. I think one of his daughters lives in either Scottsdale or something. And he's a grandfather. Uh, you know, that was that's kind of relatively new. But he and his wife, Edwina, are on the uh, out on the kind of the West Coast. I mean, I worked with him 20 years ago, and he was an older gentleman then. Uh, how old would he be now? Gee, I don't know. Well, my brother, let's see, my brother is nine years older than me. I'm 57, so he's 66. Uh, Jeff's got to be a little bit younger than my brother, so he might be mid-60s, you know? You're a writer, too, Vito. You've written a lot of songs, funny songs, all kinds of stuff. You don't normally play a lot of original stuff out. Am I right about that? Uh, you're correct. It depends on what side of the river I'm on and well, what, what interesting. I'm like, You know, so the, the uh, eastern shore here, Dutchess County, they're kind of all used to what I've done with four guys for many years. Uh, so cover tunes and uh, specifically Brown Eyed Girl, Mustang Sally, your normal go-to cover songs here. Play Hustle. that funky music white exactly, boy. Exactly, right. So, and, you know, I don't get tired of it, but it's like I, I do want to play like some things that I've written. So on the other side of the river, Ulster County is now my new home as of 2002. I've been over there uh, since. And, uh, you know, I play a venue called The Falcon on occasion and uh, Keegan Ailes over in Kingston. And uh, those places kind of just are, are uh, really conducive to whipping out some original material. Have you ever considered being in an all-original band? Uh, yes. I mean, uh, it, it's been a desire of mine to really do that. But the Hudson Valley, for me, in these years, hasn't been all that welcoming to that kind of thing. Very interesting. That's that's a question on my list for you. In a little while, we'll talk about that because mm. that's come up on this show uh, a bunch of times, mm. the, the type of environment that the Hudson Valley is for a working musician. But before we get to all of that, I'd love to play something of yours, particularly something original. What can we hear? Gonna tie one on. Sounds like a good one to start with. Vito Petrosito and his original tune, Gonna Tie One On. Well, I'm rolling down the highway in a beat-up, rusty dot van And you know how hard I work at just looking at my callous hands Well, the sun is on its way down And the girls know I'm going out Making plans with the fellas, gonna tie one on real I'd like to think I know just what this all is about But my days are getting foggy and my thoughts are always filled with doubt But I ain't gonna shed no tear Just hand me an ice cold beer I got plans with the fellas gonna tie one on real bad Well the girls are getting frisky try to get me on the dance floor And I never saw a honky tonk rock like this before a real fine buzz But I got no cause to fuss I got plans with the fellas Gonna tie one on real bad Yeah! 
tells me she's going for a PhD. Temptation is a knocking as she keeps talking to me. She says you got a wife and kids. Well, how about a little of this? I got plans with the fella gonna tie one on real bad. Well, I'm out in the parking lot looking for my rusty Dodge van. And I know what you're thinking, am I really that kind of man? Well, the sun is on its way up, and my phone's ringing off the hook. I got plans with the fellas, gonna tie one on real bad. I got plans with the fellas, gonna tie one on real bad. I had plans with the fellas, and I tied one on real bad. You give lessons, Vito, don't you? Yes, I do. How long have you been doing that? I've been doing that since about, uh, I'd say, 87, 86, 1986 was my first year of teaching. Wow. Do you like it? I love to teach. And I think the greatest thing that I get out of teaching is being able to see any of my students uh, perform or reach their whatever goal they're after, mm-hmm. you know, to see it all come to fruition at one point. Uh, is uh, is the greatest feeling on earth. No doubt. And, and you teach children as well, I presume. Absolutely. Children and adults and, you know, everybody. Well, ages 6 to 81, you know. I teach as well, and there's nothing like, like you say, you see somebody grasping it and learning something that they're excited about learning, and you could see it written all over them. And that's, I guess, the musician's way of kind of paying it forward. That's the musician's way. you got to pass this stuff on. Yeah, and it makes me really happy knowing that I was a part of, you know, first I get to see the joy on their face, enjoying what I enjoy on stage. I mean, if, I, if you could hand that out in pill form, that would be a, an amazing thing because what we experience on the stage, for me, it's just, I mean, you know, people ask me why I smile so much you know, all the time. And I can't even believe, like when I see footage of me playing and how much I smile, I'm like, oh my God, you know, (laughs) but I just get giddy. I get really giddy hearing uh, intervals, chord, you know, triads, uh, scales, all interweaved together, uh, you know, drum beats, you know, lower frequencies, you know, all all getting put together to make uh, one beautiful sound, whether it be an original tune or a cover tune, whatever mm-hmm. floats the boat, I just so get off on uh, the whole thing of music. You're such a respected guitar player in this area and, and beyond this area, Vito. Who are the guitar players from the Hudson Valley that you admire? Oh, wow, wow. This Loaded is... <laughs> question, I know. There's a lot. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, I'll just go with what comes to my mind first. Uh, there's a wonderful guitar player named Todd Mayan. Uh, I love John Platania. I love John Platania. I love Jeff Belding. I love Danny Sheehan. Danny Sheehan, who often works with uh, Willie Amrod and all those cats. Mm-hmm. Tony DiPaolo? Tony DiPaolo, right. Tony DiPaolo. Um, these guys, I- I'm I'm so such a big fan of these guys. And... Uh, and I love seeing, like Tony, I love going to see him uh, play in any of the ideas he co- He comes up with all these ideas. I mean, he plays predominantly in Beacon, New York, so he's got to come up with ideas for different shows, like Django, the electric Django, or the acoustic Django, or uh, Strato G. You know, he's got all these 
cool thing. He's a great jazz player. And, oh, man, when you sit there and watch him, it's just it's pretty amazing. Another amazing guitar player, Bobby Lesgarden, who I, don't, I haven't seen in a little while. But Steve Sickberg. You know, these are some of my idols. These these guys are my idols. So, and there's probably a hundred more that I can't even think of right now. But do you play jazz? I, I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, like if I'm doing a wedding, like with a wedding band or something, and you know, I wish I was better at jazz. I don't do jazz that well. But you can fake it. I bet. I, I try to fake it the best I can. I try to I try to take advice from anyone who gives me the advice. Mm-hmm. I try to study it. Like uh, Sunday morning, this past Sunday morning, I was at the house, and uh, one of the I have twin twelve uh, year old daughters, and one of the girls asked for. Uh, Sunday brunch music and it just wound up being like predominantly guitar jazz you know so I picked up a guitar and I'm sitting there in my lazy chair and having my coffee and I'm trying to pick some of these licks and then trying to figure it out you know like I'm pretty good with chord theory and chord movement and I'm trying to figure out what I'm hearing and I'm like oh I see you know and of course the two five one change if you get those things down a little bit, that's good. And then soloing over these things. But I was actually working on uh, a diminished scale, like how to use diminished scale over mm-hmm. certain changes. So, yeah, that was my Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> Take the Hudson Valley out of the equation for a second. What guitar players in general really do it for you? Okay. Uh, the, the first guitar player for NRBQ was Steve Ferguson. Uh, that was one of my big uh, influences. And then when he left the NRBQ, uh, in came a fellow named Al Anderson, big Al Anderson of NRBQ, who uh, you know is one of my huge influences. Danny Gatton, oh, yeah. a gigantic influence. Uh, Very underrated guitar player. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know, and then I had the uh, privilege of befriending Danny. Uh, wow, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yep. Yeah, uh, it was a weird time back in 1990, 91. I, I had gone to see them, him at the Chance uh, Theater and got his autograph that night. That was really cool. But And then it went beyond that to where I, I don't know how all of a sudden we, you know, we became, um, you know, chummy to a point, you know, and then I was going to bring a busload of students down to Washington, D.C. to see him play. And uh, so while I was befriending Danny, my mother somehow befriended his mother, Norma Raygatton. So they were writing each other, these old ladies. <laughs> so Norma Ray down in Georgia or whatever. And, uh, you know, we corresponded a little bit. So my mother called me one morning because uh, I guess Norma Raygatton had just called my mother and said, Danny's going to be on the Today Show this morning. So my mother called me immediately that morning, which was probably 5.30, 6 in the morning, and Said Danny Gatton's going to be on the Today Show. So I I watched it and it was great. But he announced a surprise concert at the Bearsville Theater that like that coming weekend. And I was like, oh my god, the trip to D.C. is off. And I told all my students, you know, uh, last one to the Bearsville Theater is rotten egg. And we got to the Bearsville Theater and we saw the Danny Gatton show. And after the show, he met with. I mean, I had about forty students with me. And he met, he wanted to meet and talk to each one of those students. So, you know, he was in the green room. He's got uh, a guitar in his lap. I've got a guitar in my lap. And each of my, you know, one by one, my students are coming into the green room to meet and greet with Danny Gatton. And it was like the coolest. That's incredible. I mean, that that guy was the late, great Danny Gatton. I mean, he he played that telly like nobody. Like, Like nobody. Sadly took his own life. Must have had... A profound effect on you. 
Uh, absolutely. I remember getting the word. It was uh, October 94, I believe. And I got the word just before uh, starting a night at Copperfields. And it was four guys at Copperfields that night. And, and you some, had to go on and play. Yeah. Somebody found out and told me right before I went on. And uh, I just took it with me and, and did the best I could. But I was, I was quite upset because it was, uh, you know, uh, like I said, we were chummy to a point. You know, and I'm sure that if we, if if he had stayed around, I'm sure that we might have, uh, you know, blossomed into a better friendship. Maybe I don't know. You know, uh, but I meet a lot of his friends through the years. Like uh, another phenomenal guitar player that I'm in love with is uh, Pete Kennedy, which was he was a good friend of Danny Gatton's. But Pete Kennedy is from the group the Kennedys, so it's he and his uh, partner Mora Kennedy. And uh, they're a wonderful act. And uh, Pete is a, a monster guitar player as well. He plays that thing like an orchestra. There's so many great guitar players out there. I mean, uh, that uh, I'm sure have inspired you. Great one sitting right here with me right now. Let's hear something else by the great Vito Petrosito. <laughs> Kicks the 
your bottle of wine Delicious crab cakes make me feel so fine I got the menu on my mind I got the menu on my mind Is that an original tune, Vito? Uh, that's an original song, Red it's, Rooster Cafe. Tell me about that song. Uh, well, first of all, it's got Randy Shalanti on the drums. And the song was born. Uh, I went to the Red Rooster Cafe, which was this little breakfast, lunch, and dinner spot in, in Gardner, New York, where I reside now. And I went there for breakfast one morning, and I was sitting at the bar, and I had Randy in my mind. I mean, I could just hear Randy Shalanti. Uh, playing like a, a second line kind of groove with his drums, and and this song just started to to be born at the bar while I was having some scrambled eggs or something like that. I just loved how that thing came to be, uh, and then I I think I left the Red Rooster, went home and got in the home studio and started, you know, flushing some things out, and then uh, had asked you know when we were putting on the on the record, I had asked Randy to play the song with me, and he he was familiar with it already before we recorded it. Yeah, it was really cool. The great Randy Shalante, just a wonderful drummer, very talented, played with the band, amongst many, many other people. Love Randy's playing. Oh, I love it. Also in Red Rooster Cafe, you've got the background vocalist, Reginald Earls. Reginald Earls, yes. Uh, and Reg, man, I just, I mean, he brought that song to life, you know, with his, you know, he was, I just said, listen, I just want you to do a call, call and response with me. If I say Red Rooster Cafe, you can say it whatever way you want. And he's like, Red Rooster <laughs> I just love what he brought to the table on that song. Vito, you've done a lot of session work, a lot of studios, a lot of artists that you've played with. How did that get started? What got you into recording? When I was a kid, I mean, I guess I did what a lot of us do with like cassette decks. And uh, and then it was Jeff Belding while we were taking lessons and stuff. He was big on sound on sound recording. I'm like, what is sound on sound? You know, like, so that was my intro to, like, multi-track recording. And coincidentally, at the same time, uh, technology was reaching a place you could actually have a little recorder of your own, like a multi-track recorder or whatever. But we weren't quite there yet. I was still recording on a, a Sony reel-to-reel uh, -reel, uh, recorder that was, uh, from what I'm told, stolen from one of the high local high schools. But I, I can't go any farther into that discussion, but that's what I was told. And, uh, you know, so I used that and, and, and got into taping songs and stuff. And then from there, it went into, like, John Hokanowski, the original drummer for uh, Four Guys in Disguise, uh, founding member, he had a full-fledged recording studio in his mother's basement 
uh, over uh, off of Morris Drive there in Hyde Park. So we did a lot of recording. He was doing a lot of recording, multi-track recording. Uh, let's see, back then it was, uh, I think it was 16-track, or 8-track, 8-track analog, and then he went to 16, and that was a big move. But man, we he was creating songs. Uh, I think I created maybe one song during the whole period that we were doing. You know, I didn't, I, I wasn't writing much back then. I didn't, but I uh, got into the recording process. Took a recording course up here in Rhinebeck, a Red Hook, I think it was. It was at Dondi Sound Studios, and it was Paul Antonell. I remember that. And I forget Rick, the older fellow that was with him. They ran this, uh, they had this recording engineering course, which ran 10 weeks. A bunch of my friends and I took it, and it was just the most, it was the coolest course in the world. And and we learned a lot about the mic placement and getting good sounds on things. And and the last day was the best. The last session was the best because we were supposed to record a band, and, and the band didn't show. So I think it was Paul Antonell that just looked at all of us and said, uh, anybody have a band? You know, you want to record for free today? And we... We drove home at like 90 miles an hour to get our gear, came back, and we recorded ourselves. I love it. So it was really cool. We did, uh, I remember doing, uh, we did Iron Man, and we did, uh, let's see, Cinnamon Girl, I think, with uh, with one of Paul's friends singing both songs, because our singer wasn't with us that day, so. I've got a lot more stuff to ask you, particularly about session work. But, of course, and this always happens, it drives me crazy, the show is rapidly coming to a close. So I have to ask you, would you be nice enough to come back next week and continue this conversation? Oh, I would love to. That I would, would be, love to. Really. That would be great, Vito, because there's, there's plenty more to talk about. Terrific. Thank you. So... Hold on to that, and I'll see you next week. All right. See you then. You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. Please come back next week for part two with Vito Petrosito. There's much more to come, and we'll see you then.